good morning and a good chaydesh in these days leading up to the awesome day of Gimel Tammuz. We are learning Sichahei, Kairach, Chelek Yudches, and Lukote Sichais. And we are learning, as we do in the schus of Rafor Shleim of Vaharav Yosef Yitzchak ben Sima Chasya. This is a Mechdeka Sicha. So let's go. Seif Aleph. Aidei smichus haparshes vashaychus. Devaani hine nasati lachas mishmeres trumasoy lachol kach kachi bnei Yisrael v'gaimer. Lachol kachi bnei Yisrael v'gaimer. So concerning the connection between um, Hashem's commandment that behold, I am giving you guardianship over all of the tithes, all of the trumais and, and the maishas that B'nai Yisrael will give. So the Indian of Matnais Kahuna, these are the 24 presents that would be given by the Jews to the Kaihanim. So the Shaykhas, the connection between that, to the insurrection that Kairach brought against Misha that is spoken of earlier in our Parsha. So concerning the connection, Isa Bisifri, Vuhuva Baperish Rashi, the Sifri writes, and Rashi brings this down in his parish, Ashalaachar Shabak Kairach, the ear air alakuna, that after Kairach came and he um, put a claim on the whole idea of priesthood. He contested the whole idea of priesthood. Omar Kadish Baruch, who Hashem said, Harini Kaisi Vachisim Kule, Umala Ba'arkoin as Kuhunas Are. That behold, I am going to sign and I'm going to seal and I'm going to put it in a written document concerning Aaron's priesthood. Vizais Alide Matnais Kuhuna. And how did Hashem, as it were, bolster? Or um, validate, or um, or ascertain Aaron's kahuna and his family for all time in a non-negotiable in a non-negotiable manner by giving the commandment regarding the matnais kahuna. So the Chabad says we have to understand. This would be a fine way to explain the um, the way in which these two things are juxtaposed in the Torah. The story of Kairach's um, going up against Moshe and Hashem giving the commandment about the Matnais Kuhuna. That works very well. Aval Mahi Hashaychus de Inyan Hamaiser Hanisan Lelevi. But what is the connection between Kairach's contesting Aaron's kuhuna and what follows, which is also about the miser that would be given to a levi? Because if you look at the Pesukim, you see it says, If you look at the Torah, you see um, I think it's 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 Pasuk Chof Aleph in this in Perak Yudches where um, it talks about the Matnais Kohuna. Then Hashem says, Ani Chalkecha. Hashem says to the Kaihanim, everybody else is going to get a portion, a, a lot in the land of Israel. 
but the Kohanim, but Shevet Levi, the Kohanim and the Levim are not going to get that portion. Ani Chalkecha, Hashem says, I am your lot. I am your inheritance. I am your portion of the land of Israel. And immediately after that, it talks about Olivne Levi with a Vav Hamachubar, with a with the and that means that this comes immediately after, as um as as the Targum explains, Masnan Dehaivis Lach Inun Chalkecha. These presents are your shear. What's the connection between Maiser Levi Lemachlaikas Kairach to the argument that Kairach launched against Maisha? So we would understand if the Torah only spoke about Matnais Kuhuna. But immediately after Hashem says those pivotal words, Ani Chalkecha, I am your shear in the land of Israel, as it were, because you're not going to get a parcel of land. Then it goes on to say immediately, Olivne Levi. So what is the connection between the gifts, the miser that goes to the Levim and the story of Kaira coming up against Maisha? Yes, sir, al and even more so, seemingly not only does the idea of giving Maisha to Levi not seem to have a connection to Kairach's argument, but it actually seems to be antithetical. The whole argument of Kairach, his whole claim was about Kahuna and uniquely and solely Kahuna. Maisha says to Kairach, and you ask also for the Kahuna. And Kairach did not contest uh, the status or, or or say that he wanted to be a Levi. Because he was already a Levi and not just any Levi. But he was amongst the most important of the Levian. He was, after all, Ben Yitzar, Ben Kahaz. So possibly, we might seemingly, we might have been able to explain that this is exactly why Hashem goes on to say about the Maiser to Alevi. Specifically, and you, because Kairach was from Shevet Levi, and those that joined him in the argument against Maisha. Were all were among them were also members of Shevet Levi. Hainu meaning Shezed Gufa Shahayu Bnei Levi Hayahasiba Litanaso Mamachlakais Omachloikasam Kedivri Meishalahem. And it would seem that the reason for the insurrection, the reason for their claim and their argument, was precisely because they were Leviim, as Meishah says to them, Shimuna Bnei Levi, listen up. The sons of Levi, Hamaat Mikem, Yisrael, Yisrael. Is it not enough for you that Hashem has already divided you from amongst all of the Jews, La Avoid, to work for him? And he has brought you and all of your brothers, the children of Levi, closer to him? And now you're asking also for the kahuna. 
So maybe we could explain that it's precisely because of their status as Levium. They already had special status that brought them to agitate for even more to become Kohanim. And therefore, and because they launched this argument against Maisha, and they come across as not only ungrateful, but greedy for more, perhaps we would now think that there was a diminution of their status, that they fell in terms of their status, because they overreached. And therefore, they lose their status. And therefore, Therefore, Hashem teaches and Hashem makes clear that in addition, at the same time that he talks about those 24 presents have to go to the kuhuna, he immediately gives us instruction to give the miser also to B'nai Levi. And this teaches us that B'nai Levi remained in their prior important status. Because otherwise we might think that after this story where they overreach, that they would have fallen. So the Rebbe says, maybe this is how we could explain why the Torah connects the Matanus Kuhuna immediately with the Matanas, the, the Meiser that goes to the Levi. But the Rebbe says, no, this is, this doesn't, it's difficult to, to offer this explanation. Because from the fact that the Pasuk brings the idea of the Meiser to the Levi in continuum without any interruption after delineating the presence that go to the Kahin, and more so begins with the Vav HaMaisif, begins with the Vav that says and, meaning there's absolutely no interruption, there's no daylight. Mashma, we understand. The Rebbe says, from this we understand that the reason for the Torah giving us instruction about the Matanis to the Levium here is the same reason that we get the instructions for the Matanis to the Kohanim. Meaning, Dahainu, that it comes to begin with to tell us something great and superlative about the Levian. It comes not only to obviate the, the possible thought that we might have that the Levian fell in ranking or somehow lost their stature, but no. Just like it comes to tell us something very great about the Kaihanim, it comes to tell us something very great about the Levim. And additionally, we know that everything in the Torah is precise. Therefore, we have to say, the Raya Lachaze Kahunas Aran Achar Iror. 
it's not just that the Torah's commandment vis-a-vis -vis the presents, that the offerings that were to be given to the Kayin and the Levim come after the Machlekes with Kairach simply to strengthen the, the stature of the Kehanim and the Levim, Ella, but rather, but actually, there's an essential connection between the argument that Kairach brought against Moshe and the idea of giving these presents, these matanes, to the, to the Kayin and the Levi. And there's something about these presents, these offerings that have to be separated for the Kayin and the Levi, that are the answer to Kairach's complaint, the antidote to the insurrection that he launched. Base. Rebbe says, I've already spoken at length about this. Regarding what the Naim Elimelech, who was a, um, it's, it's a, it's a safer of Hasidus, um, that what, what, what the Naim Elimelech wrote, that what was really going on? What did Kairach want? What was bugging him? Sha'olav Nemar Betargum. The Targum says about Kairach, the Esplek Kairach, that Kairach separated himself, that he created a split, a division. And the Noyim Alimelech writes, It's just like the heaven that separated between the, the lower waters and the upper waters that Rashi explains to us in the six days of creation. To separate and to make distinguished the upper realm and the lower realm. And in fact, this was the content of his argument with Aaron's kahuna. What was it? Because a kohen, as Kairach understood it, should be completely divorced and divested of all worldly matters. And engages only with holy matters. And in the words of the Torah, that Hashem separated them to be engaged only with the holy. Ubifrat Aaron Kayan Gadol, and especially about Aaron, who's a Kayan Gadol, Sha'alov Neamar, that regarding the Kayan Gadol, it says that he should not leave the holy precinct. In Cain, if so, the Naimeli Melech gives a novel understanding of the words Madua Tisnasu al Kahal Hashem. Conventionally, we understand these words to mean, Why are you raising yourself above? the Jewish people, the community of Hashem. But the Naim Melech says that really what Kayach was saying is, Why, he said to Moshe, why did you create Kahuna in such a paradigm, in such a way that it's about actually 
impacting and elevating all of the Jews via your status as a Kohen. That they too, that all of B'nai Yisrael should somehow be elevated and separated from worldly suppositions. Why are you doing this? Because for the rest of the Jews, their Aveda is to engage with the material, with the physical, with the corporeal, and to make all of that conduits or vessels for godliness. So Kairach's complaint from this perspective is something different than what we would normally understand at first blush. He was contesting Moshe and Aaron's understanding of Kahuna, that it's not about that the Kohanim are transcendent, the rest of the Jews are merely plebeians, and never the twain shall meet. And, and that's, that's Kairach's that's Kairach's view. And he's saying to Moshe and Aaron, Lama tisnasu al Hashem. Why are you seeking to elevate through your stature? Why are you seeking to elevate the rest of the Jews? And only in this way can we understand that their quest to become Kohanim themselves is not a contradiction to saying to Meishem, because they didn't mean it in the way that we would normally understand it. Otherwise, it's a joke. They're asking Meishe, why are you raising yourself above the rest of B'nai Israel when they seek exactly that to become Kaihanim? How can you do that? How can you talk out of both sides of your mouth at the same time? But now that we understand it in a different way, now we understand it's not a stira. Because Kairach was looking for and was setting forth a different paradigm of kahuna. It was a type of kahuna that does not include a connection to the rest of the pedestrian folk. And the Rebbe now is going to bring two examples in history where we find this sharp and <laughs> distinction and delineation between someone who is very holy and everybody else. So the Rebbe says, <laughs> that Shammai, because of his strictness, because of his punctiliousness, he pushed, very famously, he pushed the would-be comfort with um, the ruler, the, the, the ruler uh, that, that he would use for building things. Ubeishamai, and we know about Beishamai, that that if in halacha, there, Hillel gives an opinion and Shammai gives opinion, then where there's an, the opinion of Hillel, ain't a Mishnah, that we don't accept the opinion of Shammai in such a case. Kivan. Shen yanam hu ba'ifen shal b'sham derechulei shashaykel drachav. 
because the way of Shammai is precise and measured, and it's not something that most people can live up to. It's too strict. It's too much. I saw a question before, how do we see the Noim Elimelech's understanding of the words madua tisnasu, because you could read the word tisnasu as literally, why do you raise yourself? Al kahal Hashem. Or you could read it, madua tisnasu, why are you seeking to raise kahal Hashem, the nation of Israel entirely? Okay, so to go back to where we are, the Rebbe says that Shammai represents that similar thought process of Kairach. That there's going to be a vast chasm between those on top and everybody else. V'oi dugma, another example, was of the Rashbi, V'chaveirav, Rab Shimon Bar Yachai. The Gemara says, Harbei osu v'loi There were others, there were many that tried to live like the Rashbi, completely divorced and divested from physicality, but it didn't work for them. And even Rebbe Lazar Benoi Chaveirov, and even Rebbe Lazar, who was his son and, and his colleague, even after the 13th year in the cave, the 13th year was supposed to be the year in which he learns to negotiate this world and the world that he was coming from, he still could not modulate himself. He could still not tolerate the rest of the world. So we see that there's, there's this type of modality that Kairach represents, that Kairach is advocating for. And through this, we understand the reason. And now, with this understanding, we can understand in a deeper way the connection between the commandment about the Matnais Kahuna and the Machlekes of Kairach. Matnais Kahuna. Because the presence and the offerings that B'nai Yisrael give to the Kehanim and the Levim actually expresses the connection between B'nai Yisrael and the Kehanim. She Yisrael noisdim merchusham l'kehanim ha'muvdalim inyane ha'elam B'nai Yisrael give of their assets to the Kehanim the Kehanim are separated from this world. I knew this means. What happens when a Jew gives away part of his assets to a Kohen or a Levi? He elevates his Gashmias. They become Matnais Kohuna. And about this, Hashem says to the Kaihanim, I am your chilek, I am your parcel, meaning that when a Jew gives away the matnais kahuna, it is a nesina la kadish baruchu. He's actually giving it to Hashem. So through this, the Jew and his assets are elevated. It's, 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 it's a, it's a mind-boggling thing. Avalachayra ain't a maspik. But seemingly, even this is not enough. 
הן אמש שבפועל כל הכרח על הכהונה בפרט על כונס ארון. It's true that כרח had a claim against the כהונה, and specifically the כהונה גדלה of ארון. אבל כוונסי בכך חייסה, שצריך להיות גדר בכהונה, שיש בשייכס רק באופן דהבדלה, ללא חיבור תתחתנים, העולם הזה, עם עליונים קידושה באלוקוס. But again, what was his main intention? That there must be a geder. There must be a fence. There must be stark delineation between kahuna and everything else. There has to be havdalah. There has to be stark separation. And there cannot be a chibor. There should not be a connection between tachtoinim and alyonim, v'imkeim. And if this is what Kairach was advocating, if this is what he was agitating for, so this is what Kairach is agitating for, then the antidote would seemingly be something more um, completely given to Hashem. It would have to be a connection that is so complete between the upper and the lower realms. It would have to be the transformation of something physical that becomes completely Kaddish. Like what? Like taking an animal. And burning it completely to Hashem on the Mizbeach. Even parts of the animal that are not, not burnt, even if it's not a but still it becomes kachim, it becomes holy. And only certain people can eat it at a certain time, in a certain place, in a status of Tara of But seemingly, the, the, the complete answer to Kairach or completely disarming him or neutralizing his argument would only be in such a way. And not through Matnais Kohuna, Havois Lushem Achilas Hanaz Kaihanim, Okama Mehen Hainchulin. But it would seem that Matnais Kohuna is not enough of a pushback against Kairach's actual complaint. Why? Because when you give this stuff to the Kohen, the Kohen's going to eat it. The Kayin is going to have Hana from it. And some of the Matnais Kahuna actually can even be eaten not in a state of Tara. They're considered Chulin, mundane. So it's not enough, it would seem, of an answer to Kairach's main complaint, as we are now understanding on the deeper level. Gimel. Now, before the Rebbe answers this question, Reb is now going to connect this story with the day of Gimel Tamus. Parshas Kayach Nikras Pekama Shonim Bishavua Shachalboy Gimel Tamus. Oi Kibeshano Zubiyam Zegufa. Reb says that Parshas Kayach is, is read. We study Parshas Kayach many, many years, and the week that includes Gimel Tamus. And um, this sikh is actually based on two sikhs that the Rebbe said. And one of those years, Shabbos was actually Gimel Tamos. 
And what's Gimel Tamas? Hayyim Shaboy Chayk Marichami Admor Yatsa Lachavshi Mimaasroi Vishnas Tafresh Pezayim. It's the day that my father-in-law was freed from prison. Valpi Hayyaduah. And as is well known, Shakol Dover Hubashkacha Pratis. Everything is Hashkacha Pratis. Ubefrat Lafi Divri Hashalah. And specifically, the way the Shalah explains Shakol Hamoyadim, Mirumazim Biparshia Shakurim Bisman Hamoyad. That every Yamtaif, every holy day, is alluded to in the Parsha that we read um, that is in close proximity to that Moyad. Move on. So it's understood. Shalatechen Yamze Yeshaikas Latechen Parshas Kayach. So it's understood that the content of Gimel Tamos has a direct connection to Parshas Kayach. And as understood through the explanation offered above about Parshas Kayach, seemingly we can find a very simple connection between Gimel Tamos and Parshas Kayach. Just like Kayach did not complain about the construct of Kahuna itself. How could he? He wanted it for himself. But he complained about something specific. But he didn't complain. He didn't complain that the Kahanim are separated from the rest of the world, that they don't have to engage in agricultural pursuit and so on and so forth. But rather his complaint was that the Kaihanim are taking this exalted stature and they are using their status to be mashpia, this holiness, also on the rest of B'nai Yisrael. Al hayagam elu Admor his nagdus or difus rabbis and so we find a similar complaint amongst those who caused my father-in-law the to suffer through their opposition and their frightful oppression. What really bothered them, and that's why they imprisoned him. They were not concerned about his personal avodas Hashem. Ella poyaloi b'har botzas hatoria b'chol merchave medina say ben kol Yisrael shahayu oz b'medina hahi. But rather, what irked them, what bothered them, what they indicted him for, was his spreading, his promulgating Torah mitzvahs throughout the land, throughout Russia, where he was found then. And we find this same nuance expressed in his freedom on Gimel Tamos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed in revealed fashion to all that he would be able to continue spreading Torah in the same way that Hashem showed that the complaint 
that Kairach brought against Aaron was null and void. How did Hashem show this? By putting into writing, as it were, into a contract, our Kohen, about the Matnais Kahuna. So in the same way, on Gimel Tammuz, David just showed that the Gezerah against the Vita Rebbe was taken off. But the Rebbe says, but you might be thinking in your head that there's no, there's no correlation. It's not a parallel. Gimel Tamos, let's be real, was not a real exoneration. It wasn't a real redemption. It wasn't a complete redemption because, yes, they freed him from prison, but <laughs> but he was exiled to Kastorama. A place from which he would not be able to continue to spread the tire like he wanted to. And the true redemption came only And even after there were grave difficulties which forced the Fitzgerald to leave that country. So it seems that we're forced to say, this lack of, of, it seems like there's a lack of synchrony, but actually the Rebbe says that this forces us to understand more deeply what was accomplished on Gimel Thomas for the Friedrich Rebbe and how this correlates with the Abishter giving us the commandment about the kahunas, that the matnais kahuna and the Miser to Levi. The Rebbe is going to explain this. He's going to explain how this is connected with the Friedrich Rebbe still being at least from from the, from from the external, it, it seemed that he was still tachas hagbolos hagolos etel elushasruhu, that he was still under the parameters of the imprisonment of those who had imprisoned him. So Rebbe says this alleged lack of symmetry is actually going to shine additional light on the greatness of what happened on Gimel Thomas. So the Rebbe is going to now zigzag back to Matnas Kuhuna, and he's going to say we're going to understand this question and the answer by prefacing first with a, a simple question about the larger rubric of Matnas Kuhuna and Meiser, and also the Meiser that's given to the Levi. When the Torah tells us what to give to the Kayin, it's actually a small amount. It's a very specific, small, you could even say fraction of a person's assets. 
and even those things that we have to give our first, like truma and chala and bikurim, right? Has to come from the first, even that. Yeshla and shir is a very specific amount. Yes, it has to be the first. But, and even if you want to say that you give it generously, it has to be a 140th of truma. And chalas also in times of basic nature was a very specific shear. But you're not supposed to give all of your crops for truma. Because there has to be an amount that is retained, that has to be substantial, it has to be recognized. And the same thing with Meiser. It's only a tenth of his fruit, a tenth of his wheat, and other crops. And seemingly, we could understand that there is a minimal amount, right? That you have to give at least a certain amount. That's understood. But why is there a cap? Why is there a ceiling placed on how much you could give? Why is it that a Jew is not allowed to give away all of his fruits, is not allowed to give away all of his grain? And with some of the gifts, you're not allowed to give more than the actual amount that is delineated in halacha. Until the Rambam Paskins, a Jew is not allowed to designate for holy purposes all of his assets. And one who does so is going again the Torah. Even that person who is magnanimous in spending money for mitzvahs, he shouldn't give away more than a fifth, 20%. So why? Why is this the case? And remember, the Rebbe says, through this we're going to have a better understanding of why the Matana, the Maisa to the Levi is also appended in that section where it talks about Maitnas Kuhuna. I shouldn't use the word appended because it makes it sound like it's not as important. Why it's connected. And we're going to understand what's the big deal that happened to Fitikab and Gimel Tamus. Seemingly, uh, not such a big deal. So the Rebbe started by saying, first of all, we have to understand what's this thing in halacha that says you can't give everything away to Tzedakah. And in certain cases, you can't even give more than the shear. Why? Why the cap? And, and so strictly, saying you can't give more. Hey, Habir Bechalana. The Rebbe says explanation on all the above. Mevor Bechasidus. Chasidus explains Hachiluk ben Koyhanim Lelvim. The difference between Koyhanim and Lelvim. Asher Koyin in Yone Ish Hachasid. Vin Yonam Shalavim Hugvura. 
A koyhen is an ish chesed. It's about mamshich. It's about drawing down kindness, positive effulence. And a levi is primarily the modality of givura, of strictness, of discipline. The koyrach, shahaya levi, and what Kairach wanted to do, and remember that Kairach was a levy, so he was coming from the Bechina, from the modality of Kivura. What did he want to do? He wanted to create that Givura should rank more prominently than chasadim. That the Levim should rise above the Kaihanim. That his modality of strict justice, separation, aloofness, should rank higher than the modality of chasad, which is the default modality of Kaihanim, to give to others. So what's the difference when we speak in spiritual service, the difference between chesed and gevura? Chesed in yana hashpa milmayla lamata. Chesed is about bringing from above to below. It's the Indian, the chasidah speaks about shayf, to return, to be found ba'aylam, to be found in the world. Ve'ilu gevura, and the modality of gevura in yana hala'a milmata lamayla, it's about raising up, elevating that which is below to above. It's the Indian of Ratsui, of leave taking from the world. So you could say the Kaihanim is about bringing it in, and Levim is about taking it out and elevating upward. And so, in its antecedent, in its shayrish, at its root, what Kairach was saying is that the main Indian should be givura. The main Indian should be leave-taking from this world. Going up and away. Kairach savar. Because Kairach believed because Kairach believed in his gut. He, in other words, this was basic to who he was, that the world in its present state, in its present existence, is not a vessel for godliness. And therefore, you have to leave the world. You have to take leave of it. You have to leave this lower realm and you have to go upward to godliness. And this doesn't at all contradict what we said above, that the Machlekes of Karech was that the Kaihanim were arousing the Jews 
to also be elevated. Because this is exactly what it is, that it comes through the modality of chesed, and Aaron Akayin is Isha chesed, and therefore, naturally, he's being, he's being mashpia, godliness, to below. From above to below, in this lower realm, in its default state. And what does this accomplish? So the work of Aaron was not in a way where the person below has to be extricated from their lowly state. But rather that the lower realm in its present existence becomes a vessel for godliness. And like we are taught, it's It's true. It's your pedestrian accomplishments, what you're doing. It's drachecha. It's your seemingly mundane ways, but they should all be suffused with the knowledge of Hashem and the consciousness of Hashem. And for this very reason, the antidote and, and, and completely obviating what Kairach was claiming and so, therefore, the real neutralization of Kairas' complaint is not through Karbanos and is not through Kachim that become completely holy Tashem. That are brought on the Mizbeach. But rather repudiating Kairach's fallacious claim comes specifically through the Indian of Matnais Kahuna. Why? Because Bahakravas Hakabanais Obinian Hakachim Bihlalos, Masha Adamakdish's Nachasab Lavaya, because when you're talking about Karbanais or when you're talking about Kachim, which means that a person take certain grain, certain fruits, certain crops, or certain animals, and, and delineates them for, for a holy usage. They become kachim. So in, the, in these paradigms, in the karbanais and in kachim, because in Karbanos and in Kachin, this still does not express the way in which the material, corporeal, lower realm becomes a clea for Elokos. Why? Because Karbanos leave the status of mundane. They leave their their connection to the person as we are below, the Nasim Indian Kadesh, and they become something completely holy, something that's in a different category. When they are brought on top of the Mizbeach. 
Masha'enkin in contradistinction, Matnais Kahuna. But it's different in Matnais Kahuna. She'en Yanon, Nesinas Ha'adam, Minichasav Lekohin, Lishem Achilasam. Because what happened in Matnais Kahuna? A Jew gives from his assets to the Kohen for the sake of the Kohen eating Lemashcha Legdula, the Kohen eating this like great royalty. Like eating like a king, that the rest of B'nai Yisrael don't eat like that. In other words, he's not giving it away in such a way that it becomes something holy, sacrosanct, and completely in an obviously different category from Mata, from, from this lowly world. No. Because he gives away his assets. And what happens with them? The Koyin and his family get to eat like royalty. And the Rebbe says, sorry, I skipped those words, so let me go back. And some of the matnois kahuna that can be eaten outside of Israel, certainly outside of Yerushalayim, even remain in the category of chulin. You could eat them when you're not in the state of Tahara. And other people could eat them also. So So it's through these gifts specifically that it is recognized and underscored that even as things remain part of the pedestrian world of the Mata, they are connected to godliness. But the Rebbe says, if you're not buying it, if you're still feeling that there is this great disconnect between Matnais Kahuna and this lowly world, the Rebbe says, let me explain this more deeply for you. But in Matnais Kuhuna, it's still not underscored completely how things that are from Tachtoinim, that are from this lower realm, and that remain in that situation are connected to God. Vitam Hadavar. And why is this? Aleph. Roiv Matnais Kuhuna. Most of that which had to be given to the Kuhuna. To the Kohen, Ha'eser b'Mikdash, Ba'arba b'Yerushalayim. The there are fourteen of ten of which had to be eaten in the Mikdash and 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 four in Yerushalayim. What happens when you're talking about those gifts? Nasayis tchila Kodesh, Barakla Acher Mekin Ba'achiyov Litnan the Kohen. It's very interesting nuance. So so let's let's be careful to understand this. That what happens is, is that even before you give it away to the Kayhain, these parts of your assets are already Kaydish. In other words, they don't belong to you. 
Like it says that the Kaihanim eat from this high table, meaning they eat from what belongs to Hashem. They are zeichet to eat from what belongs to Hashem. Because first, there is the way in which these aspects of our assets are elevated and they're given to Hashem. And afterwards, you give it away to the Kayin. But even before you give it away to the Kayin, it really doesn't belong to you. Like the Pasuk in our Parsha underscores, from the first that they will give to Hashem will be given to you. The Bikurim from the, from the land that they will bring to Hashem will be given to you. Or it says, Nitnu la Hashem truma. They will give to Hashem the truma. Vafilu begezel hager. And even when it comes to money that is stolen from a convert and he dies and he has no family. So who do the reparations go to? So the Torah says, Haretrila konoi Hashem. First, it's acquired by Hashem. And then practically speaking, that money goes to the Kohen. But first it's acquired by Hashem. So, the Rebbe says, is this really the best counter-argument to Kairach? The Matnais Kahuna? Maybe not. Because we're still talking, 14 of those 24 are still holy, essentially. They're holy even before you give it away. So let's go further. Bays, Afilu Shar Hamatmanais, Eser Bigvulin, and even the rest of the Matnais Kahuna that can be consumed in their own, in their own precincts. Even before they're given to the Kayin, they already belong to the Kayin. The different parts of the animal that were given to the Kayin and different fields that were given to the Kayin. In other words, even though they have a lesser status, in terms of their Kedusha, they still belong to the Kayhanim even when they're in the Rishos of Yisrael. On top of the fact that some of these are not explicitly mentioned in our Parsha. And then the Zeroya, the Lechayim, and the Keva, this really came to the Kaihanim after the story of Pinchas. She'ir came that happens after this parsha. So do we have a quintessential example of something that would knock out Kairach's complete complaint? Now the Rebbe answers this question 
what is the connection between the argument of Kairach against Maisha and Maisha to a Levi? Rebbe says that's why we have mention of Levi in a continuum with no separation. Because something distinctive about the Maisha that you give to a Levi is that after you give it to the Levi, it's still considered Chulin, it's still considered mundane, it doesn't have Kedusha, and that's why other people can eat it also. And Bayes and also with the miser to the levy, there's no part of your money or your assets that belongs to the levy before you apportion it off, like with the kohen. With the kohen, one-tenth of your crops, don't belong to you. But that's not true with the levy. Says, and so this underscores with more strength that something that is seemingly completely mundane and pedestrian this too becomes connected to Hashem through giving it to a Levi. Asher Hashem hu because it says about the Levim that Hashem is their Nachala, and you're giving it to a Levi, so so this is becoming Kedushadik. This is this is becoming holy. Now the Rebbe is going to go even further than this. Zion. First, the Rebbe is going to bring in a famous thing that Rashi teaches that, that's based on, on, on Medrash and Gemara about how Kairach sought to illustrate his claim against Meisha. One of the ways in which Kairach opened up his arguments, his insurrection against Meisha and, and the Kahuna of Aaron was that he came, he dressed himself and his people in talishakulot chelas, in 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 talesim that were completely of the color of chelas, and said talishakulot chelas mahu shetehi petura minatzitzis. Should it not be absolved from needing a tzitzis that is techelas? Umuvu eres tanase bechasidos. And chasidos explains. So so on the on the on the simple level, what Karach was saying is. Look, if a regular garment can be elevated somehow through some strands, through some strings, through tzitzis at Artechelas, then certainly you don't need those tzitzis on a garment that is completely techelas. And with this, he was saying to Maisha, why do you need to make yourself an Aaron higher than the rest of B'nai Yisrael. All of B'nai Yisrael are holy. All of B'nai Yisrael are a garment made of tchelas. We don't need tzitzis. Okay? That's the simple explanation. And chasidus illuminates this and explains. In yana shel talis levush shekula tchelas mara abachinas makif. And uh, so 
I am in a little bit of a hurry today because Baruch Hashem, I have a wedding that I have to get to in a few hours. So um, just very, very quickly in Hasidus, there's, there's uh, over and over we learn the difference between makif and pnimi, um, that Hashem is saviv kol almin, and memali kol almin, that Hashem encompasses and hovers above all worlds and fills all worlds. So Hasidus explains that the Indian of a talus, that the Indian of a garment, that this alludes the idea of a very, very strong light that is transcendent and encompassing. And when you talk about makif, there doesn't have to be the union of panemius, of having the strings that, that draw down this holiness from the makif level into the panemius level. And he and Kairach uses as exhibit A as a visual, right? Because not everybody is an auditory learner. So he uses as a visual to show why it's not necessary to have Aaron in his in his position and so on and so forth. The Kavanas And so the Rebbe says that in Avedis Hashem, subtly, what was Koyach trying to broadcast? So the Rebbe explains why Koyach's stance was so fallacious. Because when there's Avedis of refining the physical world, and it comes from drawing down the godly light from above, like the Indian of Makif, and it doesn't come through the work of the person from the ground up. Then in that modality, even when the Jew becomes one with God, but because it began from above, it was it's always going to remain hovering, encompassing, transcendent. But what's going to be missing is bringing down this light in innermost way. Because that can only be accomplished through and from within his existence. And so therefore we might say in a, in a very subtle way, that even Meiser is not enough of an antidote to what Kairach was opining. Ella, this is Meichedek. The Rebbe says, and now he's circling back to what he said earlier. Why is there a cap on how much you're allowed to give? We understand that there has to be a minimum amount through which your Yitzhi the Meiser, the Truma, the Tzedakah. But why is there a cap? Because the Rebbe says that ultimately the complete 
repudiation of Koirach's claim that there has to be this impenetrable, impermeable, impermeable barrier between the upper and the lower comes not even from Miser, but comes from the money and the assets that remain after you give away what you have to give away. Why? Because the presents that they give to the Kayin and the Meiser, and even the Meiser they give to the Levi, and even though it remains Hulin and Zarim can eat it, but those are all mitzvahs. Hashem commanded you to do it. Because these are mitzvahs, Meiser, Truma, all of this still doesn't completely and quintessentially broadcast this idea that pedestrian things can be a keli to godliness. Because as our Chachamim teach us, that once there is this mitzvah that we have to give it away, it didn't belong to us. But rather, Hashem allows this money, let's say, to be by us in trust. But really, it doesn't belong to us. We're just the custodian. So even Meiser is still not enough. Aval, however, kasher ha'afrashavan esinu shalmanu is gonu Meiser madgisha, asher ap shahanechosim ha'noisim shayachim lo'odam lishtamish behem litzrachav. But after you separate and you give away the matnas kuhuna and you give away the Meiser, what is underscored in what remains that what remains of the assets that belong to the person for him to use for his needs. But he has this money. It's because because the Ebishter gave him this. And so what he's going to do with this money becomes what Hashem wants. So it's dafkas through this. Okay, so let's let's review. We have three categories. We have the matnes kahuna that were in a higher category of kedusha. They had to be eaten in certain places. They had to be eaten in a certain status. You had to be tahar and 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 only by kaihanim. Okay, then you have a lower level. You have matnes kahuna that don't have the same level of kedusha. And you have Meiser to a Levi. That even Zorim, even, even other people can eat it. Yisrael, Yisraelim can eat it. But then you have what's left over. And the Rebbe says, this is why the Torah goes on to say, to connect it immediately with the Meiser of the Levi. Because the Meiser of the Levi underscores more than anything else this idea of being able to, to bring godliness, elokus, into this world, into the seemingly mundane aspects of this, of this world. 
that physical things, the way that they remain, they remain completely his, and they remain in this lowly realm. They become completely fused with godliness. Like, like it says, in all your ways, you should know him. And only in this way is there the consummate fruition of Hashem's desire to have a dira somewhere where Hashem can dwell. We might say possibly we might say that this is the reason why there is a limited amount that you give away to the Kohen, that you give away to the Levi. And a person is not permitted to give all of his assets. Because the difference there's a different connection to Elokus in what remains the person's from that which he has to separate to the Kohen Levi. And that's why the Torah takes pity on, 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 on the assets of B'nai Yisrael and says, don't give away more than this so that we can refine our assets by using it in the way that we have to use it in this world to buy diapers and shoes and makeup and 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 food and whatever else. Ches. So again, this is where I should have created a chart. So in the same vein and parallel to these three categories that have been delineated above, kachim mamish, that which becomes completely holy, roi v'ikramatnes kuhuna maiser, most and the main presents that were given to the kohen and maiser, and then the nechosim hanesharim etzela adam, and then we have the assets that remain our own. So these parallel b'madregais ba'achdos Hashem, they parallel three levels that Hasidah speaks of regarding the unity of Hashem. We could say that they are as follows. There's the Yichud of Hashem as he is one that comes from below going upwards. Then there's Havaya Echad Lamata. Then there's the unity of Hashem, the way it originates above, coming downwards. And then there's the Yichud, Yichuda Ilav, Yichuda Tata. And then there's the complete synergy, the complete synthesis of Yichuda Ilav and Yichuda Tata, where there's, there's no upstairs and downstairs. There's no Elokus and the world. There's just one thing, Elokus. So 
So the idea of Hashem being one, going from downwards, upwards, this means, Hasidus explains, that even after Hashem brings all of the worlds into existence, the worlds are still abnegated completely. Like before their creation. This means, that everything that was created feels itself to actually not be in existence. And really, they, their existence is only the way it is above in Atzilos, meaning it exists in Hashem's Ratzin, it exists in Hashem's thought process. It doesn't really exist here. And when you embrace this modality, this leads to separating yourself from this world. This is the avoid of tzaddikim. They separate themselves. They divest themselves from the physical material aspects of this world. That's Yehuda da'avaya echad b'derech aliyah milmata lemaila. Okay, when you're going from, from below upwards. Ha'ifen ha'beiz. Then you have the second way. Da'avaya echad b'derech hamshacha milmaila lemata. Then you have the unity of Hashem as it originates above, going downwards. (laughs) This is the way godliness spreads out and is enclosed and vested in every physical thing. This means that there is a world. Yeah, it exists. But the existence of the world is godliness. And this um, category of unity with Hashem, and this arouses a very different type of Avaida, not separating from the physicality of this world, but engaging with the Gashmias. A person takes pleasure from, from physical things. But it's a godly type of type of pleasure that the Jew takes. But the Rebbe points out, but there's still a deficit in this yichud. Even though it's elokus with gashmias. But the person still feels that it's two different things that have been joined. Elokus v'davar gashmi. There's still two things. There's godliness and there's the physical. But when you get to the third category of that complete synergy, that complete fusion of yichudi ilo and yichudi tata, on this level, the existence of physicality, the pleasure of a person, all of it becomes godly. I recognize that this is something that needs to be unpacked and we could bring about for many, many hours, but for the sake of time and and trying to get through the rest of the sicha i'm going to continue see if tess al pikol hanal 
based on all of the above, now we are in a position, now we can better understand the connection between Gimel Tamos and not Yudbeitud Gimel Tamos, but Gimel Tamos as a very important day in the redemption of the Frit Gabba and the Parsha of the week. When my father-in-law went out completely, was completely freed, also from his exile in Kastroma. That wasn't a quintessential expression of how his spreading of Torah and Yiddishkeit actually affected the Tachtoinim that imprisoned him. That they should agree to his Avodah. Because he left their precinct. Even though he was still in the country where they, they agitated against Judaism. But and you basically Tamos, he left their imprisonment, as it were. But Dafka Begimultamos, Kasha Nishlach Al Yodum Legolis Kastrama. But it's specifically through Gimultamos, the day when he was sent through their agency to exile in Kastrama. And in his travels there, even before he arrived there, he was already organizing that in Kastrama they should gather children and they should open a mecheder and they should fix the mikveh and he said chasidus through this was revealed that the lowest realm of all as they existed and as they stood in their construal of the lowest realm. As the Fitrebbe was imprisoned, still they agreed. They still agreed because he was organizing these things on their dime, on their time. Bidugma, and this is parallel This is parallel to the tikkun, to the antidote that finally completely obviates the claim of Kayach. This is why the Torah lists the Miser of the Levi to underscore that even that which remains in a lower realm, because you could only give a certain amount, most of your assets remain in the lower realm. The money that you didn't give away is godly. Alpikola now. So based on all the above, we could say that these three categories that these three ideas, that finally obviated and, and served as an antidote to Kairos claim, 
מרומזים בכללוס גם בתוירה שאמר בצייסה ממייסר, are alluded to in the תוירה that the Friedrich Rebbe said, קודם נסיעוסוי לקסטרמה, before he left to קסטרמה. I mean, it's an arresting image, even for those of us who all these years later just read about it and certainly were not there. The Friedrich Rebbe is standing on a platform in a train station as he is being exiled by the government of Russia. And he knows full well that in the crowd before him are spies from the government. And he proceeds to say Taira. And the Rebbe finds in the Taira that the Fritz Rebbe said at that moment on the platform in the train station in those words, the Rebbe illuminates for us the three categories that he taught us about in this sikha. Friedrich Rebbe says, nice, um, um, this is, these are extractions. This is not in full. The Rebbe brings down, nice We are offering a tefillah to Hashem. Hashem our God should be with us as he was with our fathers. He should not leave us. He should not abandon us. The Rebbe says, This is a request, but it is also a promise. That Hashem will be with us, like He was with our fathers. Hagam says, even though we can't be compared to our fathers, they actually had misiras nefesh avor for So the Rebbe says, let's 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 preface. We, seemingly, we have to understand. Aleph, the Rebbe has three questions on this extraction from the Fritik Rebbe's remarks. Aleph, first, the Rebbe's first question is on the words, It's one thing, the Rebbe says, if the Fritik Rebbe would have just cited from this Pasuk to Hillim, the Shem Havaya. Because the Shem Havaya is all about transcendence. It's all about how Hashem is was, is, and will be all in one. So we understand how we would need to tether this to something closer to us. Shehu Imanu. We understand how we would have to ask that Hashem should be with us, Imanu. Masha Enkein. But in contradistinction, Shem Elokim. Shame Elokim Shepirushai. What what is the understanding of shame shame elokim? Taki va'amit ashaloi hayakhilis balyanim vitahtainim. The Shulchanarak teaches that the shame elokim teaches us about Hashem's strength and an overarching power and prowess. And Hashem could do anything. Belyanim and patahtainim. 
Vare perish elokeinu, and specifically in this cognate, elokeinu, who shakadish baruchu kechinu v'chayusenu. It's that Hashem is our kayach and is our vivifying force. Hare etzem Hashem merishakadish baruch imanu. So the very word kechinu, I'm sorry, the very word elokeinu already shows that Hashem is Imanu, Hashem is with us. It should have said, The word Imanu seems extra, redundant, because Hashem, followed by the word Elekeinu, already means that Hashem is Imanu, that Hashem is with us. That's question number one. Base. Yi Hashem Elekeinu Imanu. If Hashem is going to be with us, this is so much more than what follows after, that we ask Hashem, don't leave us and don't forsake us. If Hashem is with us, why do we have to ask that Hashem should, shouldn't leave us and shouldn't forsake us? And Gimel the Fritikapa says, we're asking this of Hashem, even though we can never be compared to our forefathers who were actual Bali Messias Nefesh, practically for Tarim Mitzvah. Similarly, the Rebbe says, Wait a minute, the Fritikapa is speaking. What? He didn't have Mr. Snefesh practically speaking? Of course he did. When he was sitting in prison, he had Mr. Snefesh. Afterwards, when he went to Kastroma, the Im came. And so, even if you want to posit that because of his great modesty, he wasn't relating to his own Mr. Snefesh, like the Mesir Snefesh of those who came before him. He should have said it in a more modulated way. But the way he said it, it seems to completely repudiate any Mesir Snefesh. And how can you say it? And how can he say it? In other words, even if you want to say it's about modesty, but but it repudiates the facts. The facts are the Fritik Rebbe had a tremendous amount of Mesir Snefesh. And so here we come to um, the final se'if, but certainly it should not be the final time that we study and think and talk and ruminate on this sicha, because there's so much here. And the explanation is like this. In these words that the Fred spoke at that pivotal, dramatic moment, these words. What the Fetik Abba wanted to do is he wanted to effectuate redemption for all of B'nai Yisrael. He wanted redemption. He wanted this in and of his own redemption to suffuse and permeate all Jews, even those Jews that are just Jews by name. Meaningly, they don't do much. 
And that's why he dafka chose this puzzle. And he added and he added, even though we cannot be compared to our forefathers. He meant with this to include the people that that don't. Uh, that don't exactly act like our forefathers. They don't have Messias Nefesh Vitarim Mitzvah. Still in all, Hashem should be with them, with all of B'nai Yisrael, like he was with her forefathers. And based on what we've just said above, what the Rebbe said, that he wanted to effectuate this, this redemption for all Jews, even those that are Jews in name only, without looking at where they stand regarding Terah So we might say and understand that when the Fetikah added that although we cannot be compared to our forefathers, his kavin hamidrash. The Fetikah Rebbe's intention was to allude to a medrash on this pasuk in Tehillim. And the medrash goes like this. A king who hired people and they do their work very well and he pays them. What's the big deal? What kind of praise is this for the king? <laughs> But when is the king actually to be praised? When he hires work people who are not good, and they don't do their work, but he still pays them. This is a, this is a great thing. The Medrash is saying, The Friedrich Rebbe was signaling, he was alluding to this Medrash, and he was saying, like Shlomo Melech said to Hashem, he was saying to Hashem, effectuate a geula for all Jews, even those that seem to be not the good workers, that don't deserve paycheck. I'm sorry, I thought this was the last, but it, this this is that was the penultimate. This is the last if you'd be. Based on this, we can explain. You see, chart. That in these few words are alluded and encapsulated three. Different madrigas, three different levels. And we might say, in the Rebbe's great Anivas, he says, we might say that they correlate with the three madrigas mentioned earlier. Aleph, Havaya Nasa Elikinu, the way that the transcendent Shem Hashem 
becomes up close and personal, Elokeinu, Shakadish Baruchu, who Koichenu, the Chayusenu, Vahadavar Maria Shakol Matthias Adam, the Koiche, the Chayusa Begolu, he Elokros. So this is a level where Hashem becomes our strength and our vivifying force, and our entire existence is in manifest way, Elokros. This is the Avaida of Milmata Lamaila. This is the Avaida of a Tzaddik. This is the idea of a korban and the higher level of the matnais kuhuna. Then you have bays. No, I'm sorry. It's it's the level of karbanis. Then you have bays. Hashem alekenu imanu. Ha'adam hu kimitzias la'atzma. You have the person is separate from Hashem. But Hashem is with him. Imanu. imanu. The fact that Hashem is with us is, is a proof. It shows that he's connected to godliness. So this is Avaida, the Yichud of Milmaila Lamata. It's Matnas Kahuna and Maisar. But then there's Gimel, there's Al Yazvenu, Al Yachenu. Don't leave us and don't forsake us. Kedei Lifol Gamba Elumi Yisrael Shehim Bevchinas Tachtoinim, Mamash. In order to affect those of Yisrael that are on, on, on the lower level, mamish, b'shem Yisrael Yechuna, they're, 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 they're Jews by name. Hainu behem In this demographic, you do, you can't recognize their connection to godliness. Shagam behem agola that they too should be redeemed. He added, like. Hashem was with our forefathers. Although we cannot be compared to our forefathers, Bikavana, it was his intention. Larames, Laperish, Hamedish, Canal, to that Medish that without the Rebbe taught us above, Ubaze Paul, and through this, the Fidik Rebbe was able to affect shagam etzel hapoyalim royim yel kolponim hahegesh al yazbeni v'aliyachenu that even amongst this demographic that are called the bad workers that did not do their job and maybe even the yifsetzkia the Jews that were working against the Rebbe for the government that they should feel al yazbeni v'aliyachenu and we know that the Rebbe kachzach an idea that they were the ones that freed the Fritz Rebbe. They imprisoned him and they freed him because it was this Indian of Al Yazbenu Al Yachenu. And they let him do those things in Kastrama. That even when they were in that terrible state that they were, that spiritual state, it was still recognizable that they cannot be separated from Hashem. And also, the Fritz Rebbe said those famous words in that same in that same sicha on the train station. He said those famous words that a Jew is one. Who, no, I'm sorry. The Fritz Rebbe said that only our bodies were taken into Golas, but they cannot take our neshamas. So when you see a Jew that seems to be completely secular, disaffected, Unitarian, whatever, that's that's just the goof. That can go into Gaulus, not the Nishamah. And through this is revealed that also those Shehinim Tachtoinim Bimitsiusam Haniris Vaniglis that are lowly in their 
manifest and revealed existence. They are connected to godliness. Whatever the situation and the category and the level of a Jew might be, but the innermost, truest truth of a Jew is godliness. In the words of the Fritagabe, every Jew, without reckoning with his observance of Tarim Mitzvahs, his heart is complete with Hashem and Hashem's Torah. And the Fritigab's words affected the lowest aspects of this world. It affected even those that imprisoned him. That they, in their lowly state, agreed to his avoda in spreading Torah. And they actually were helpful in freeing him and in his redemption. And these 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 days and what happened on these days are not just remembered, but they are done. They're redone. We reenact it. It is in each one of ours, in each one of our hand. It's it's in each one of our possibility. Imanu, it's with us. This lesson and this infusion of strength from Gimel Tamos. It's almost like the Rebbe is telling us this is what you have to remember and hear and, and dwell on, on Gimel Tamos, on our Gimel Tamos. Don't back down from any hardships and any obstacles that arise and that seek to impede the spreading of Torah and Yiddishkeit. And we also have the promise, as in the in the second way of understanding the words, that it's not just a plea, but it's a promise. That it will come to pass the words of the Pasuk, and the Rebbe finishes off with the words that the Friedrich Rebbe said in that Sicha, and to all of B'nai Yisrael, there should be light spiritually and physically. Amen. I, I apologize that I must have off, but I hope that you will all continue to fabring on this Meir de Kasicha and wishing everybody kol sela and that Gimel Tama should already be the big yamtiv that we're waiting for. Thank you.